Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, DJ Hamilton, and welcome to another edition of the DJ Sports Show. Recording this at 11.30 in the morning on Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. Today, we're going to talk about NBA Finals takeaways, um, Game 1, uh, and what these finals will mean for Chris Paul's legacy if he wins it, um, and if, what it will mean for Giannis if he wins it for the city of Milwaukee. Both these franchises haven't won a championship in Milwaukee's case for 50 and 50 years. Since 1971, they haven't won it when they had Kareem and Oscar, two NBA legends. And then Phoenix has never won the NBA Finals in their history, despite making the Finals in their franchise history twice before, with Charles Barkley in 1993, and I think sometime in 1976, I think they lasted before that. So they've never won it before. These two franchises have not won in a long time or have never won in, these, in their unique circumstances. We're going to get into that. But we're also going to get into the NCAA. We have some big news with NCAA. They have clear student athletes to be able to make money in their name, name, images, and likeness. They can now get endorsement deals and make money off their image, which is a good, good sign considering I said I said it months ago, a long time ago, the G League at night finally got the NCAA to wake their heads up because a lot of these top recruits, top kids, are not coming to the play in college basketball, which helps them get the revenue they need and the exposure these kids need, but also the money the NCAA gets from their names and these big gut names that people want to see and watch. We're also going to talk about top prospect Victor Wembayama, who's back to be number one pick and a future NBA unicorn. Um, number one pick in 2023, projected. Um, signs with ASVEL, a top um, EuroLeague team under Tony Parker. The Hawks signed Nate McMillan to a permanent deal, and we'll probably get into more um, throughout the show. But yeah, let's get started, ladies and gentlemen. We got a lot to get into, and let's do it. gentlemen first we're gonna start off with some big news from the NCAA and the National Collegiate Athletic Association have finally declared student athletes the chance to pursue name image and likeness deals and if you don't know what this means it means student athletes no matter D1 D2 D3 whether football volleyball soccer basketball you name it all have a chance now to make money off their name and from endorsements so according to ESPN staff writer Dan Murphy, every NCAA athlete in the country will be able to make money from endorsements and do a variety of other ventures, which started this last Thursday, so last week to start in. And the board of directors decided last Wednesday to officially suspend the organization's rules prohibiting athletes from selling the rights to their names, images, and likeness. likenesses. The new rules represent a major shift in the association's definition of amateurism, a shift that NCAA leaders previously believed was antithetical to the nature of college sports. Um, excuse me. Um, they stated it's an important day for college athletes since they are all now able to take advantage of name, image, like likeness opportunities. The NCAA president Mark Emmer said in a statement with a priority of state laws adopted across the country. We will continue to work with Congress to develop a solution that will provide clarity on the national level. The current environment, both legal and legislative, prevents us from providing a more permanent solution and the level of detail student athletes deserve. Um, the board's decision comes after years, several years of debate, and just one day before laws will go into effect in more than a dozen states that will make it illegal for schools to follow the long-standing NCAA rules that have, until this week, prohibited athletes from making money. NCAA rules that rent schools and paying players directly remain intact. Um, the board directed schools to make sure that payments to athletes are not expressly for their athletic achievements and to ensure that no payments are used as recruiting inducements. So, yes, they can get paid, but you can't pay an athlete to try to come to your school. Ask me from endorsements and from, like, signing autographs and stuff. On the new rules will allow athletes to profit by monetizing social media accounts, signing autographs, teaching camps or lessons, starting their own businesses, and participating in advertising campaigns, among many other potential ventures. Athletes will be allowed to sign with agents or other representatives to help them acquire endorsement deals. This is big time, ladies and gentlemen. You don't understand the magnitude of this. Some opportunities will be strict, restricted, but the types of restrictions will vary based on state laws and policies created by individual schools. For example, some, but not all, state laws prohibit 
athletes from endorsing alcohol, tobacco, or gambling products. Some, but not all, laws prohibit athletes from using the school's logos or other copyright material and endorsements. According to the rule change in Wednesday's rule change last week, schools in states that have an NIL law on the books are instructed to follow state law while determining what their athletes can do. And he instructed schools located in states without an active NIL law to create and publish their own policies to provide clarity to the gray area and come up with a plan to resolve any disputes that arise. Man, this is crazy. This is crazy, ladies and gentlemen. This is big, big time news, man. Y'all understand? Athletes, imagine if Zion Williamson had this. He would be making, he would have been making like five, six million in college from endorsements, from signing autographs. Everybody, Zion Williamson was the most popular college athlete in his one year at Duke. By far, it wasn't even close. Imagine how much money Trevor Lawrence, the superstar quarterback at Clemson, who was the number one pick in this year's past NFL draft to Jacksonville, would have made. He was the most hyped quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning. Ladies and gentlemen, Stylings was number one pick in 2019, the most high prospect since LeBron James. How much money he would have made. Um, Reggie Bush, they took away all this guy's records. All this guy's record. They better get that. He even stayed on his IG um, page. They better reinstate his records and all his stats back because now this is legal. The dude was one of the greatest college football players of all time. He broke so many records. And he, the fact that he was getting money from NCAA or some from some agent or somebody they took away all his records and now he he wants to get them reinstated that's the magnitude of talking about Johnny Manziel he got some some money while he was in NCAA and a host of other guys why you think top prospect Jalen Green didn't go to play college basketball he wanted to get paid go to the G League G League at night Jonathan Kaminga Isaiah Todd all these top prospects now Jaden Hardy so have to be a top five pick in next year's NBA draft. Michael Foster, first round pick as well. Why do you think they went that, that route? Because they didn't, NTA wasn't paying these athletes for them, giving them a chance to make money off their own name, off their own images, off what they do, or what they do with their talents. And now you have a chance to do that now. Now they might sway, uh, sway top future, top prospects now in many different sports, especially basketball, where you... Or you have a chance to go all different routes. Football, you kind of have to go to college to get exposure. You can't go from high school to the pros. And there's no, like, alternate, like, Euro League or anything. Like, basketball, you kind of have to go to college for football. It's, it's different. And you have to stay three years. So, in basketball, you have a chance to go one year, go to G League or overseas, running an engine in the draft. Now you get that exposure going to NCAA, and you also get paid off your name, off your image, signing autographs, this and that, again, endorsement, you'll sign an agent. This is big for future recruits, like uh, Imani Bates, who's projected to be the next Kevin Durant. He, I saw I saw his IG story the other day as well. He had eye emojis. This guy was projected, probably looking at the G League because he decommitted from Michigan State. And now his eyes might be looking back at the NCAA now that they approved this. This is going to sway a whole lot of athletes' decisions, ladies and gentlemen. Because yes, the G League at night, you play more pros and everything, yes. But you don't get the same exposure. Exposure level is on a whole different level in the NCAA. The magnitude, March Madness, NBA scouts coming to see you, thousands, millions of people watching you on TV, get to know you. Like, it's, there's a whole different level. G League at night, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but now that the NCAA has approved this, I think this is going to make a, people want to come back to college. Like, top recruits, Imani Bates, Mikey Williams in the future. Um, DJ Wagner, like, this is big, big time. Like, they really did themselves a favor, finally. Finally, after all these decades, they should have been done this. They finally approved it. And this is just, this is just big, big news. Like, I had to start off with this. This is the biggest news by far over anything else I'm going to talk about in this episode. It's the biggest news probably by far in a, in a long time. The National Collegiate... Athletic Association, ladies and gentlemen, has finally approved athletes the chance to make money off their name, images, and likenesses. And this is a great day for sports and college athletes. But again, to other sporting news now, um, Shakari Richardson, um, one of the top sprinters, female sprinters, sprinters in the world in general, uh, won't run at the Tokyo Olympics after being left off the U.S. relay list. Um, so Shakari Richardson was banned um, from Tokyo Olympics um, this past Tuesday 
by USA Track and Field decision that means the American's positive test, she was tested positive for marijuana, using marijuana as a way to cope with her passing of her mother, ladies and gentlemen. So this will cost her a chance at running on the relay team in Tokyo in addition to her spot in the 100-meter individual race. Um, her positive test nullified her win at Olympic trials in Eugene, Oregon last month and the spot that went with it in Tokyo in the 100. Her 30-day 30 30 suspension which will end before the start of the relays on August 5th, left open the possibility that she could win a medal as part of the 4 by 100 relay team. But they didn't give her the opportunity. Her name was not on the roster in the USA track and field set out, and the Federation had two discretionary picks beyond the top four finishers in the 100-meter final at trials, which was not to offer a spot to the 21-year-old sprinter who was expected to challenge for the Olympic gold. Um, she was asked about this. Um, um, she was asked about how Richardson was taking the news. Her agent, Ronaldo Nahamia, responded, we haven't spoken about it at all. It was actually not a topic we focus on. She has more important things to write about. Her mom just passed away, and she's trying to, like, really heal right now. So that's, I know that's going through her mind. In a statement, the USA Dragon Field said it was incredibly sympathetic toward Scar Richardson's extenuating circumstances and fully agrees that international rules regarding marijuana should be reevaluated. So while our heartfelt uncertain lies for Scar, we must also maintain fairness for all the athletes who attempted to realize their dreams by securing a place on the U.S. Olympic track and field team. In this case, the, that meant offering the remaining relay spots to the 6th and 7th place finishers, each of whom moving up in the pecking order after her disqualification. They are English Gardner and Alea Hobbs. Those are to be the names at the 4x100 relay in, in those events that she got disqualified from that she won't be able to participate in anymore. Um, she tested positive for the marijuana after her victory on June 19th, and she said the stress of her biological mother's recent death combined with the pressure of preparing for trials led her to the use of the drug. She stated, I know I can't hide myself, so in some type of way, I was trying to hide my pain, she said on NBC's Today Show. Um, over the weekend, she sent out a pair of tweets. All these perfect people that know how to live life. I'm glad I'm not one of them. Um, she stated from 2022 to 2025, she'll be undefeated. <laughs> um, and she also stated that this won't, this won't be the end of her Olympic dreams. She stated, this is just one games. She's 20. I'm 21. I'm very young. I have plenty of games left in me to compete in. And I have plenty of talent that backs me up. So everything I do comes from me naturally. No steroid, no anything. This incident was about marijuana, so after my sanctioning is up, I'll be back and able to compete. And every single time I step on the track, I'll be ready for whatever anti-doping agency to come and get what it is that they need. Um, shortly after the 2012 Olympics, the international regulations later loosened the restrictions on marijuana use, which increased the threshold for a positive test to a level designed to catch athletes who were using it in the immediate hours after before competition. Um, potential bans were reduced from two years to as little as the 30-day suspension that Richardson is serving. Some professional leagues, such as the NBA, NHL, and NFL, have greatly reduced enforcement of um, marijuana rules with the acknowledgement that the drug does not enhance performance. Because back in the days, before we knew about all this information that we now know about marijuana, marijuana was strictly prohibited in sporting leagues. And it was strictly prohibited even in regular society like police officers will arrest you for even smoking a drug anything like it was worse back in the days ladies and gentlemen it just recently got more positively viewed and accepted in the um regular like you know society and worldwide public in like just like the last few years um the Olympic world continues to test for and punish use in some circumstances according to the U.S. Anti-doping agency, in addition to substances that trigger performance enhancement, the ban list can include drugs that can pose health risks to athletes or violate the spirit of sport. So, yeah. I totally understand why she used it. She's going through a lot of stress in her life right now. Like, I see both sides of it. First, I'm looking at one side. Like, yeah, I see I see her point of view of, the, of why she used it. Her mom, she, her mom just passed away, ladies and gentlemen. She has a lot of things going on. She's feeling a lot of pressure. She's young. You know, when you're young, you have a lot going on in your life. Like, say you accomplish something, and you just feel like there's so much pressure on you, the whole world weighs on your shoulders. You you want, you just need, you just need something like to help you calm down. Let's do something. And I feel like weed for her, that was her go-to. That was something she wanted to do. 
the healthcare her mind off things. Her mom just passed away. You're a very important person in her life. The woman who gave birth to her is gone and no longer with her in her life at a very young age. And wanted to get to see her in her first ever Olympics, which I know she was looking forward to that. So that's something she wanted to do to cope with. And then on the other side of things, you got to know better than that. Like, you got to know, you know, the, you know that they don't want you after smoking weed. She knew that and she did it anyway. So I see from both sides of the perspective, but I do feel for her. Um, so I give my condolences that her mom passed away. And I hope she, I hope to see her in her future Olympics because she, she, she's some athlete, man. Ladies and gentlemen, she can run. This lady can run. Scarlett Richardson is no joke, ladies and gentlemen. She is a phenom. And I hope she's able to get in the future Olympics in the, maybe in the near future. But she has many years ahead of her, and I hope she learned from this incident. Continuing with more sporting news, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into hockey now. The Tampa Bay Lightning have repeated as the Stanley Cup champions. They closed out the Montreal Canadiens in Game 5 to win their second straight Stanley Cup. They were back-to-back Stanley Cup champs, and they did it in a nine-month span. Quote, this group, no matter what happens from here on out, this group's going to be etched in history forever, and that's pretty effing special. Lightning captain Steve Steven Stamkos said, I'm so proud of the guys. We can't still get in yet. It's so fresh. It's so new. You don't even realize what's going to happen. We won the Stanley Cup, and we still have the Stanley Cup. That's just amazing. They defeated the Montreal Canadiens 1-0 to close out the series 4-1 on this Wednesday at home. From the first team to repeat um, as champions since the 2016 and 2017 Pittsburgh Penguins. Goalie Andrea Vasilevsky won the Consmith Trophy as the playoff MVP and recorded his fifth straight shutout in the series clinching game. He wins the Consmith Trophy MVP one year after his teammate Victor Hedman won it the year before. With the Game 5 win, the Lightning improved to 15-0 immediately immediately following a loss over the past two postseasons, the longest such streak in NHL history. Defeating Montreal's a 15-series win for the Lightning since 2015. In that span, no other team has won more than nine series. Quote, COVID-19 going in the bubble for 60-plus days, starting the year with COVID. No fans having a short season, basically then bouncing back after we won the Cup two months later, then starting the season again with 56 games. And it's back-to-backs every other day. It takes a lot. Tampa Bay veteran forward Pat Maroon said to win the Stanley Cup. Guys are banged up. Guys are hurt. Um, they were Tampa Bay was without their veteran forward Alex Killorn, who blocked a shot by Jeff Petrie in Game One, and it was revealed Wednesday night that he had a broken fibula and underwent surgery last week to have a rod inserted into his leg. He tried. He stated, "I tried for Game Four, but clearly it wasn't good enough. Then it got worse after trying it." If it came down to it, I probably would have played the next game or game seven, but the boys were good enough that didn't have to happen. As Lightning defenseman Victor Hedman explained, that says a whole lot about our team. People want to sacrifice whatever it took to be a back-to-back Stanley Cup winner. That's the confidence we had going into the playoffs. Tampa Bay uh, Lightning dominated the first period of game five. They're holding a 13-8 edge in shots and 16-8 edge in controlled entries but could not get a puck past Canadian goalie Carey Price. However, the Lightning rookie, Ross Colton, broke open the scoring 13-27 into the second period, and Colton was set up on the goal by defenseman David Savard, the only other player on Tampa Bay's roster who had not won a Stanley Cup. The Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars last year in September to win the Cup in the bubble in Edmonton, Alberta. The franchise's only other Cup title came back in 2004. Due to the pandemic restrictions in Canada, the Lightning celebrated last year largely without family members allowed in attendance. Had Tampa Bay won in Game 4 on Monday, becoming the first team to sweep the Stanley Cup Final in 23 years, that would have been the case again. The Canadian government did not grant additional exemptions for family members to cross the border and skirt the federal 14-8 quarantine, something the NHL had to negotiate for teams during the previous two rounds. Um, instead, the Tampa Bay Mayor Jane Castor jokingly suggested earlier this week by losing Game 4, the Lightning were able to clinch on home ice, celebrating in a packed arena and with loved ones. So, this cup also marked a personal 3 P for Maroon, who won with his hometown St. Louis Blues in 2019. NHL player have won three straight cups since 1983, when 15 New York Islanders wrapped their fourth in a row. No player had won three straight cups with two different teams since 1964. 
So this this gives them opportunity to have a lightning to get their third straight Stanley Cup next season. If they keep this team intact, continue, they get healthy, everybody comes back, team get better. They have a chance to go for three straight, three P. It's hard to do it. You think it's hard to repeat? It's hard to three P. Few teams in sports history have ever three peated. Um, these Canadians were heavy underdogs entering the final and had the worst point percentage of any team to qualify for the 16-team playoff field. They did not lead at any point against Tampa Bay until Josh Anderson scored in the first period of Game 4, which snapped a streak of 195 minutes and 39 seconds. So this team showed great resiliency, great fight, and, and the temporary lightning. They were expected to make they were expected to win, and they did just that. Um... So, it's just congrats to Tampa Bay Lightning on an amazing season. Um, and getting to more on um, Andrea Vasilevsky's playoff um, MVP. Um, he is just the third goalie all-time with two shutouts in Stanley Cup Finals clinchers, joining Clint Benedict in 1923 and 1926, and Bernie Parent 1974-1975. Um, he becomes the first goaltender to win the award since Los Angeles Kings netminder Jonathan Quick in 2012 and the 17th goaltender to claim to Conn Smith in NHL history. He's also netminder, is also the sixth player and first goalie born outside of North America to win the award, joining Nicholas Lidstrom, Henry Zetterberg, Evgeny Malkin, Alex Ovechkin, and Hedman. Um, it's typical for a few players to build a case for playoff MVP, but Vasilevsky had as much of a challenge as any player trying to claim the Conn Smith. Um, he had guys like Brandon Point, who notched 14 goals and 9 assists throughout the postseason, including a stretch when he scored in 9 consecutive games against the North Islanders and Carolina Hurricanes. And Nikita Kusharov has held a case as well, posting 32 points, 8 goals, 24 assists. Over the course of the playoffs, Hedman, too, had a shy repeating with 18 points when he had 2 goals and 16 assists, while skating on an average of 20. Four minutes and 38 seconds per night. But yet, um, Vileski outplayed them all, coming up with major stop after major stop, ensuring his team never lost consecutive games, not working one of the best goalies of his generation in Montreal, Canadian star Carey Price. Um, quote, torches get passed, and I think Carey is still carrying the torch, but it's getting past the guys like Bassey, Lightner, Lightning head coach John Cooper said early in the series, it's the mental makeup. Carey Price has a demeanor about him that exudes confidence, and he has the ability to turn the page. He has an ability to play at big moments, and he's grown into that. Salute to Vasilevsky and winning playoff MVP, and salute to the Tampa Bay Lightning on repeating as Stanley Cup champions, and we'll see if you guys can go for that 3 P next season. Congrats. Yeah, NCAA approving, kids making money is a big, big deal, ladies and gentlemen. But we're going to take up a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some NBA Finals. First two games. And we're going to get into what this Finals will mean for Chris Paul's legacy if he wins it. And what it will mean for Giannis' legacy if he wins it. Before that, we'll take a quick break. Okay, Sabrina, I see you. Where do you want this at, Chris? Wait, what? Is this one of your State Farm commercials? Yeah, sure is. Jake from State Farm? Did they not send you all the scripts? No. no. Chris smiles and says, wild love, State Farm's surprisingly great rates. Then suddenly his body turns into a basketball. <laughs> Come on, this stuff is... Chris? Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Tasha, did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aw, uh, French vanilla, rocky road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, shakalaka, 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 shakalaka. Scoop, shakalaka, shakalaka, shakalaka. Geico, switch today and see all the ways you could save. If you like this video, be sure and share it with your friends. And if you'd like to see more Geico Brilliance, hit the subscribe button. Scoop. There it is. 
yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's quick again to the NBA Finals now. So the Suns have taken the first two games. They took game one, 118-105. And they took last night's, last night's game in Phoenix, 118-108. Um, Chris Paul in game one was amazing. He had 32 points, nine assists, four boards. DeAndre Ayton was a monster in game one with 22 and 19, respectively. And then Devin Booker chipped in with 27 points himself. The role players camped. Um, Cam Johnson and Chris Payne, Cameron Payne, each scored 10 points in their own right. And then on the other side, Milwaukee, Giannis had 20 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists. It still looked like his knee was bothering him, to be honest. Middleton had 29 in Game 1, but Drew Holiday struggled with just 10 points. Peter Duck only had 7, and Brooke Lopez had 17. Sun shot 46% from the field with the Bucks 45.5%. They shot 32% from three, the Phoenix Suns, 44% for the three, um, for the Bucks. The Bucks shot 56% from the free throw line. This team, I know Giannis has his free throw rolls, but this team is not a good free throw shooting team. And that's what really holds them back in close games and clutch situations. They can't make free throws, man. And this is mostly Giannis. They can't make free throws, man. He can't make free throws when his t- like in big moments. That's what costs them, man. Suns only had nine turnovers in game one to the Bucks 13, and they both were evenly matched with points in the paint, because Aiden was a monster in the paint. 44 points in the paint for the Suns, to 42 in the paint for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, both teams were crashing the glass, 47 rebounds for the Bucks and 43 for the Suns, but Chris Paul, man, he was saucing the Bucks defense. He was picking apart their defense every inch of the way in game one. Pick and roll, he was destroying them. They put Bobby, Bobby Ports on him, switching on the pick and roll, and he kept saucing him. One play, he sauced him to the rim. They said, oh, you're going to put this guy on me? I'm going to use my quickness and blow by him every single time. And in another play, he was step back in threes, hitting threes in Bobby Portis's face, Brooke Lopez's face, whenever they switched the big on to him in the pick and roll, and he was just destroying them, bro. Like, he was making them look silly. He's the mid-range master. He's one of the best mid-range scorers we've ever seen in NBA history, and he continues to show why. Jay Crowder in game one was horrible. Only had one point and nine rebounds. But now let's go to game two, which was last night. This was, man, Devin Booker and Giannis were going at it. Devin Booker had 31 points, five boards, and six assists. Um, CP3 had 23 points, eight assists, and four boards. DeAndre Ayton kind of struggled offensively, but he still finished with a double-double with 10 and 11. Um, Jay Crowder was a little bit more productive on the offensive end with 11 points and 10 rebounds. But he did kind of get in foul trouble a little bit in the third quarter. And Mikel Bridges was big time, man. 27 points and 7 rebounds for the third-year man out of Villanova. And he was playing a great, great defense on Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, man. He's one of the most versatile defenders in the league. Brooke Lopez was a non-factor in this game. He only had 8 points and 9 rebounds. Um, Drew Holiday had 17 points, but he shot him and Chris Middleton combined shot like 32% from the field. These two have to play better. They're, 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 they really frustrate me. They'll have one great game, and then the next three they have next three games they play horrible. They play they have they play they're so they're so they're inconsistent. Playing point blank simple, they are very inconsistent. And Giannis needs help, man. He he did his job. He had forty two points, twelve rebounds, and four assists. Like he did his thing last night. Giannis, his forty two points wasn't enough. He needs Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to play like all stars if they have any chance of coming back in this making this a series. I thought I think the series is over to be honest. I think I like I said I predicted I got the Suns in six, maybe even five. I I say Milwaukee wins Game Three, and then I think the Suns will win Game Four. To be honest, the Suns they have too many guys who can create their own offense, and they have too many shooters. Like CP3 said, CP3 could create his own offense and hit the three ball. Devin Booker is one of the best in the business. He's a bucket, pure bucket, anywhere on the court. Um, camp, um, campaign. He he can shoot, create a shot off the dribble, and do his own step back a little, get to the rim, anything. He's another guy off the bench that really creates for them. Cam Johnson can shoot the ball. Jay Crowder can shoot the three when he gets going. Like you have a host of guys. Mikel Bridges can shoot the three. He he made a lot of threes last night. He was burying the Milwaukee Bucks along with Devin Booker. They were killing the Bucks in the from three point range. Um, Pat Connaughton was the only like teammate that really came through last night for. Um, Giannis, he was hitting threes, big time threes. He hit last night. Um, he four had fourteen points on five of ten shooting with seven rebounds. Like he, he came through last night. But he needs the rest of his teammates to step up. Giannis, man, 
Like, I, I don't think Milwaukee, like, they don't have the three-point shooting on their team like the Phoenix Suns have. And that's why I think, like, when they're down by 10, like, when they were down by 8 points, 10 points, I said, yeah, the game's over. Because they don't have that elite one-on-one score bucket getter that can consistently get you buckets and stop the bleeding and get you within getting back into the game. And they don't have the three-point shooters who can really, like, in a five-minute stretch, get you get hot real quick and get you right back into the game. That's why when they were down by 10 to Phoenix, and Phoenix has a barrage of three-point shooters, I was like, yeah, it's over, man. <laughs> I said that, and it was only third quarter. There was still a lot of time left, but I was like, yeah, the game's over. The Phoenix Suns have all the momentum, and nobody, like, it seems like they can't miss a damn shot. Chris Paul, everything was going in. Booker, everything was going in. Same thing for Mikel Bridges. Jay Crowder had some moments. Like, they just couldn't miss. Like, they, they like, the baskets, like, wide open. It's like the ocean. Just right there for them, so... That was just something to watch, man. Um, they shot forty. The Suns shot forty nine percent from the field to the Bucks forty five. They shot fifty percent from three point range. Like I said, they have when they get hot from three, they are hard to beat. Um, twenty nine percent for three for the Bucks. Like I said, the Bucks they're not a good three point shooting team, and that's why I think they're really like these games. Like when they're down by ten, they have no chance coming back because they don't have elite. They're not an elite three point shooting team to like cut that deficit down. You know, Quick, quick, quick amount of time. Um, free throw shooting. The bu- this Bucks shot sixty five percent. Giannis got to the free throw line like eighteen times. He made ten of those. Not great, but better than what he usually shoots. Um, they shot fifteen to twenty three from the free throw line. The Suns shot eighty five percent, twelve to fourteen. Um, the Buck, the Bucks, man. Giannis was destroying them in the paint. Fifty four points in the paint for the Bucks to the Suns twenty eight. The Bucks had nine turnovers to the. Suns 12, because CB3 was turning the ball over a lot more. He had six turnovers, I think, last night, more than his usual. Because um, he usually doesn't turn the ball over, like, ever. Because he's one of the best ever at not turning the ball over. Um, 46 total rebounds for the Bucks to the 43 for the Suns. And, yeah, like, the Suns' three-point shooting really killed the Bucks last night. And the uh, lack of making free throws at a high clip really kills them. I just think, like... Giannis, man, he's dominating, but he really does need help from, um, Chris, from Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Like they need to play more consistently, at a high clip, high high rate. They'd be way too inconsistent. One game, one game. I saw a comment on Instagram, man. One game, they said Chris Middleton looks like prime MJ. The next three, he looks like Kyle Kuzma. I was crying. Like he needs to be more consistent, man. That's all we're asking. You need to be the real number two option for this team. And Drew Holiday, you need to be a good number three or number two option. When Chris Middleton's not going, Giannis needs y'all help, man. Y'all need to be pouring in 20 points and be effective on the other end of the court. Get others involved. Y'all need to be playing like the All-Stars y'all once were. Like, y'all are still solid players. But you need... Chris Middleton, you were, you've been an All-Star in this league. Like, you need to be playing at a higher level than this. Mike Budenholzer deserves some playing as well. Um, he made some adjustments in game two. Um, but he needs to continue to make adjustments. Like he he has failed to really make make adjustments in his playoff history, and it comes back to bite him. Yes, his team made the finals, but if they continue to get outplayed like they've been again outplayed in these first two games, he can kiss his job goodbye. Um, he had Drew Holiday routinely picking up Chris Paul full court. Um, more in game two, and he had P.T. Tucker who was reassigned to shadow Devin Booker. More in game two. Um, Bobby Portis was relegated to only five minutes after being singled out and torched defensively in game one by Chris Paul. And those were some of the different schemes to implement being how Paul and Booker had their way picking them apart on pick switch in the game um, prior in game one. Um, there there were adjustments made, but there's one knock, according to Yahoo Sports, that Boonholder hasn't been able to sidestep throughout his three-year tenure with the Bucks is his lack of in-game adjustments, which is most importantly has happened in the postseason. Um, the Phoenix Suns absorbed an aggressive first quarter blitz before taking control and going up 2-0 after a 18-108 victory. Um, yeah, man, he just, he just, man, he stated, I think defensively, I think there's some progress and improvement. We just got to keep working that end. Same thing offensively. We just got to get better and we got to go home and play good basketball. Yes, you're damn right. You need to. And you need your star, two of your star players to step up because Giannis is doing what he needs to do. He's averaging 31 points per game in the series right now. He needs to make his free throws more. That's one thing I'll say. But every other than that, he's been doing his job. And he's been protecting the rim. He had some nice blocks on Chris Ball last night and other players. Like, he was doing his job protecting the rim, using his size and length. 
Um, in game two, they were the Suns were really targeting Pat Connaughton. Milwaukee has been going small in large chunks of the game, and down the stretch, they've inserted Connaughton, and they slide um, Giannis to the center spot, which has been, I think, their most effective lineup so far. But I don't really like Pat Connaughton in there. I like I like the lineup where they have Giannis, they have Brooke Lopez, they have Middleton, they have Holiday, and then they have um, Pat Connaughton. I like I think that's their best lineup, or Bryn Forbes in place of Pat Connaughton. I think that because I like Giannis and Brooke Lopez both in there to get the rebounds because they usually get it at a high rate. They both rebound the ball very well. Giannis was crashing the offensive boards last night. Like, he was amazing. He got them a lot of second-chance opportunities, whether it was to get another opportunity on the offensive end, run the shot clock again, or points in the paint, or going to the free throw line. Like, he was a menace on the boards last night. So, that's that's something... And Drew Holiday, man, you got to make your layups, bro. You be missing mad layups, man. You got to finish. Chris Middleton, too. You guys got to finish, bro. This team, like, this team misses way too many layups. For NBA players, y'all miss way too many easy layups, man. Y'all got to finish or get foul, go to the line, something. Get going, bro. You guys, you guys got to win both these games, man. I'm sorry. If you lose one of these games at home, it's over. This series is over. Like, Period. If you win game three and you lose game four, you're down three one. And going back to Phoenix, that hostile crowd, I don't I don't like our chances. I'm telling you that right now. I do not like their chances. Phoenix is too good offensively for the Bucks, and the Bucks don't have enough offensively to combat what they bring, what the Phoenix Suns bring offensively. Right, they just don't. And Giannis is their best player. Yes, he's a great player, but he's not that skilled. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not a LeBron James. He's not a Steph Curry who can shoot the lights out. And to carry your team, yes, offensively and victor victory because he's a liability at the end of games and close games because he can't hit free throws at a high rate like Steph Curry or LeBron is a better free throw shooter than Giannis. He can hit it when it counts or Kevin Durant. He doesn't hit it at the same rate. So Giannis even stated after the game, we can play better. We definitely can play better. We can make more shots, getting good looks. We're going towards the right direction. Now, I don't know if we're going to win the next game or the game after that. <laughs> I'm I don't know why he said that. But anyways, but I know that we're going to compete. And we're going to watch what we did good on tape. And hopefully we can carry it over to game three and do it even better and do it with more energy and more physicality and make it tougher for them. Now, I said this, and I'm going to keep saying it over and over again, not just for the media, but for myself to hear it. Also, hopefully, when we do those things, hopefully we can bar ourselves in position to win the game. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, winning. Um, but yeah, if he's gonna win, he needs his teammates to play better, man. Especially Middleton and Holiday. They both shot five of sixteen for eleven points. You got you got this point blank period, you gotta be better than that. I need Middleton to give twenty five on efficient shooting, play good defense, hit threes, rebound, make teammates better. I need Drew Holiday to play lockdown defense and he's been playing on he's been guarding Devin Booker and Chris Chris Paul. I need him to play and make it harder for them. And I need him to chip in like 20 points on efficient shooting, play lockdown defense, and get others involved. Get that 20 point, 25 point, 12 assist game, 10 rebounds, or 8 rebounds. I need that from him. Giannis needs y'all help, and y'all got to help him if y'all want any chance of bringing Milwaukee their first ever championship in 50 years. Because we're at the rate right now it's looking. The Suns look like they probably get their first ever championship in franchise history. So that's what they need. The Milwaukee Bucks, y'all need to make some adjustments. And Middleton Holiday need to step up. Need to step up. Mike Budenholzer, you gotta make adjustments better in games. That's what that's what's lacking. That's what your reputation has been flawed. You do you do not make in game adjustments. You that's what's hindered your reputation in the league, especially in the playoffs. You gotta make in game adjustments. So we'll see what happens in game three in Milwaukee. Now I just want to quickly go over what these finals would mean for Chris Paul or Giannis' legacy if whoever comes victorious in his finals. So let's go Chris Paul first. If Chris Paul leads the Suns to their first championship in franchise history, a franchise that has had Steve Nash, NBA legend, Charles Barkley. Both of them have been MVPs in this league, both are all-time greats. A team that's had, um, who else? Mari Stoudemire, Sean Marion. Like, you've had some great players on this team. Dan Marley, um, Paul Westfall, another Hall of Famer. I'm Yo, y'all young cats don't know who that is. Y'all probably shocked I even know who that is. Nah, Paul Westfall was bad, man. He was a great offensive player. Great offensive player. Rest in peace his soul, man. He was a great, great player. He led them to the finals, I think, sometime in the 70s. I think 76. 
uh, they were playing the Celtics, I believe, and they they got lost to the Celtics in that finals in six games, I think. Um, yeah, you you have some cats on the Suns, man. Like there's there some some great players in Phoenix Suns history, man. And Chris Paul leads this team to the championship. That's the only thing that's really missing from his resume, other than an MVP, which he probably will never win. But a championship, I think that will uplift him to number five point guard all time. Like, and I think for me, I remember I did a point guards list. I I think I forgot Chris Paul in my top ten. Because there's been a lot of great, if you really look at NBA history, there's been a lot of great point guards. Like Bob Cousy, Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, Jason Kidd, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, the great Isaiah Thomas, Detroit Pistons. Like, there's been so many great point guards. Gary Payton, like Walt Frazier. The list goes on and on. Um, But if Chris Paul gets that chip, I think I'll put him number five past Jason Kidd over John Stockton. Like, officially, I'll officially put him over him. Cause he would have won a chip at a in his prime. He's still not. He's not in his prime, but he's more effective. He's still an all star. I would have put him over Jason Kidd. And Jason Kidd won his chip in twenty eleven. He was pretty. He was a role player at that point in Dallas with during the whiskey leading the way. He was averaging less than ten points a game. He wasn't the same Jason Kidd from early in his prime, like the Nets and Phoenix Suns days and early Dallas days when he was killing the league. When he was like fast, great. He was a fast as hell point guard in transition, one of the greatest passes we've ever seen, and a tremendous defender. And can make shots for you when you need it. Like, Jason Kidd was... He wasn't the same Jason Kidd at that point. That's why I think if Chris Paul wins this, it'll put him over um, Jason Kidd. Because he's still very effective at a high rate. And he's a big reason why the Suns are even in the finals, to be honest. Like, they would not be here without Chris Paul, ladies and gentlemen. They weren't even in the playoffs last year. He's the reason why they're in the finals. And, of course, because luck with injuries to other teams. But, anyways, I think this will put him top five all the time. He'll, he, he's never passing magic for me. He's never passing Steph. He's never passing Oscar. Isaiah is interesting, though. I think that's the only one who could pass. But he needs to win this chip and probably another one. I don't think he's going to pass Isaiah, personally. Because I think the West is going to get better. The Lakers come back up with LeBron and AD. And the Warriors are going to be reloaded. Healthy, clean Steph? He, he, ain't, he ain't being those guys, man. <laughs> they, they ain't being those guys. With a healthy, clean Steph and a reloaded Warriors team? Nah. The West is going to get tougher. Denver coming back with Jawan Murray if he comes back healthy. Like, it's going to get tougher. But, um, yeah, I think if he wins this chip, man, I, I'm going to put Chris Paul number five all the time. My order will be, it's Magic, it's Steph, number two. I got Oscar Robinson, number three, Isaiah Thomas, number four. And if Chris Paul wins this chip, he's my definitive number five point guard of all time. So that is what it means for me. This chip means if Chris Paul wins this NBA Finals. And a lot of media members are saying he'll be top five all the time if he wins this chip. From Nick Wright to Chris Broussard. To Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Smith, like they've all made their list. Like they said, Chris Paul would be number five. So, and I like Chris Paul. Like he, like I don't, I don't bash on greatness. Yes, I don't love him like a Steph Curry or LeBron, but I like him. He's a great player. But yeah, I think he'll be number five all the time if he wins this chip. Now on the side, Giannis, two-time regular season MVP, won the Defensive Player of the Year last year, and the MVP in the same season. Been a perennial All-NBA team member, perennial All-Defense now. He's made All-Defense like four times now. And he's, gonna, he's only 26 years old, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget how young this guy is because he feels like he's been in the league forever. He's been in the league since 2013, so he's been in the league for a while. Remember, remember, he came in the league really young, 18, so he's still very young. He's about to enter the prime of his career if he's not in it already. He's in the prime of his career. He can still get so much better and add to his game and get a jumper, add a post game, add a mid-range game. If he has those things, get better at the free throw line. If he adds all those things to his game, he could really be a top 10 player of all time. And if he added some championships to his name, like say he wins this chip, he would have won a chip earlier at the earlier age than LeBron did and then Jordan. Jordan didn't win a chip, ladies and gentlemen, until he was 28 years old. We put so much pressure on these young cats more than ever nowadays to get it done at an early age. Like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to be this. And I think that comes with social media nowadays. I think it started with LeBron. Like, LeBron was the first guy, I think, who ever had to go through this. Like, when Jordan was coming up, imagine Burby didn't say, oh, he choked, he played because he had a bad game or this and that. But, you nah, we do that too much nowadays, I think, in this social media era. We got to stop that. And this ring culture thing, I think it's too, they keep saying, oh, this guy needs a ring to be an all-time great. No, you don't. I keep I hate when I hear that on um, all these sports talk networks and podcasts. If you want to be a true cemented all-time great, you got to win a chip. Uh, No, you don't. So you're going to say Allen Iverson's not an all-time great, Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone, John Stockton. I can go on. 
just because they, they don't have a ring, they're not cemented all-time greats. Nah, that's BS. But having a ring does help your legacy. I'm not going to say that, though. But to have that to cement your legacy, cement you as an all-time great, I think that's BS. I think what Giannis has done, he's already an all-time great. And he'll, he can be in the Hall of Fame now. If he retires today, he has enough to make the Hall of Fame. He's one of the all-time greats. But he has a long way to go in his career. Ladies and gentlemen, if he wins a ring this year, and he's only 26. He won't be 27 until December 6th. And he'll be on the path to be a top 15 player of all time. Having a chip, and he'll most likely win finals MVP. He'll be the, he'll be the only player ever, they said, to have a, a finals MVP, multiple regular season MVPs, and a defense player of the year. You know who's the only player to ever have that, ladies and gentlemen, in NBA history? Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Hakeem Lajron has a finals MVP and defense player of the year and MVP, but he doesn't have multiple MVPs. He only has one MVP. Giannis has two. If he wins his chip or ever in his career and a finals MVP, he'll join Michael Jordan as the only player with those accolades. That's amazing company. Guy, a guy who's arguably, in most people's eyes, viewed as the greatest of all time. So, and I'm sure Bill Russell would have had it too if they had the defense player of the year award and the finals MVP, Old Chamberlain too. So you could include them on this list too. But as it stands, Michael Jordan and him, Giannis will be the only, only guys. So that's amazing company. I think this chip, I have Giannis, where do I have him all time? I think he's top 35, 40 right now. If he, like top, he's in the top 40, 35 range. He wins a chip this year, I think it'll vault him up to like top 25, 30-ish. Like, yeah, yeah. he has a lot of accolades, ladies and gentlemen, at a young age. And I, I definitely could see him winning another MVP or two before his career is done. He's only 26. He has like another eight years left of his prime. If he stays healthy and adds to his game, maybe even longer. If he has more skill to his game, he could be a beast like this until it's 35, 36. But the way technology is nowadays. He could get another two or three MVP, another one or two MVPs I see. So, and then maybe another defense player of the year if he has that. And then you add in like, if he wins like two or three chips, then at that point, you got to put him top 10. And the top 10 is, the top 50 is loaded, top 100. But to make the top 10, you got to, you got to be different, different. Like you got to have multiple MVPs. Have have a ring at least, like you, and if Giannis wins a ring in Milwaukee, a team that hasn't done it in fifty years, that is gonna help his legacy big time, big time, and I think it'll lift him to top twenty five, thirty all time if he wins this year. So, both these guys, man, they have a lot at stake in their legacies, and if Giannis doesn't win this year, it's not a big deal. Like people are saying, it's a big deal. He might, yes, he might not ever get back. I think this is his best chance to get a ring. He needs to. The Nets, they're gonna be good for another few years. With KD's only thirty three. He's mad skilled, Kyrie Harden. They're going to be together probably another three years. Giannis is 26. He's still young. Philly is going to try to get better. The Hawks are going to get better. You know, they're going to come back stronger. Hornets and LaMelo Ball, they'll be coming in the next few years. Like, Detroit Pistons, maybe five years down the line. If Kay Cunningham is what we think he can be, if he's that guy, they're going to be coming in a few years down the line, like five, six years. This is your best chance, Giannis. Because it's never guaranteed to get back to the finals. But, man... But I don't think, like, he's still young. He still has a lot of years left to get back to this point if they do lose. So I don't think it's a legacy changer if he loses. I think it's more for Chris Paul because he's at an older, more advanced stage of his career, different stage of his career. He's more near the end than the beginning. Giannis is in the middle of his prime. Chris Paul is near the end of his career. He has, like, three years left, four years left. And and the West is even more low than the East. So if he doesn't win this year, that's going to really hurt him, this legacy. And And the Suns are a better team than the Bucks. The Suns should not be losing to the Bucks. The Suns, point blank, simple, have a better team. It's clear as day. If you watch the games, if you're watching the games closely like me, they're they're a better team by far. Better three-point shooting team. They have more all-stars on their team. Devin Booker is a better player than Chris Middleton by far. I'm taking Devin Booker all day over Chris Middleton. DeAndre Ayton's proven himself as one of the next best bigs in the league. And Chris Paul is one of the top, five, top seven point guards of all time right now. If he wins his chip, I'll put him top five. So both these guys have a lot of stakes. A lot of other legacies at stake right now. But I think Chris Paul has more at stake because of his advanced age and what he's been through in the playoffs. Like squandering 3-1 leads to Houston in 2015. Um, getting injured in game, in what, I think game six, game five. And against and when Houston was up in the West Conference Finals against Old Golden State, that was the best chance in 2018 with Harden. They could have won that chip against the Bronze Cavs. They had a better team that year. He hurt his hamstring and he was out. In game six, and they lost to the Golden State Warriors. He had a chance then, like, and then twenty fourteen, you know, he he hit 
dribbled the ball off his foot against OKC in the semifinal round. I think that was game five. Like, he's had his playoff hiccups, and he needs to kind of clean those up winning a chip. So I think he has more at stake with his legacy because of his, he has more playoff history, um, hiccups to his name, and because of his advanced age and with the stage that he's at in his career. Then yeah. But yeah, I think both those guys have a lot of their legacies. But either way, they're both going to be future Hall of Famers, Giannis and Chris Paul. They're an all-time greats, all-time greats. And I think even Devin Booker, if he wins a chip, it's going to elevate him to like superstar status. And I think this guy's going to want to be the one of the best scorers ever one day, and one and one of the best of his generation. I think it's going to be him and Tatum who are going to be the best scorers of this upcoming new generation. Him, Tatum, and Luca. I think they're, they're going to be the best. And don't forget, Jalen Green's coming, ladies and gentlemen. So I just want to. Shout out to him, Jalen Green. Jalen Green, he's coming. There's going to be a top three pick in this year's draft. We'll do more draft um, stuff coming up with NBA draft coming on July 29th. Um, but yeah, guys, um, host DJ Hamilton. I hope y'all enjoyed. Um, you can catch me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and other platforms, Radio Public, Overcast, you name it. Hope you guys enjoyed this great episode. And yeah, we have, stay tuned for the NBA draft. I'm going to do... Um, probably I'm gonna separate it this year, unlike last year. I'm thinking I'm gonna do two separate episodes for more content. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a mock draft first round for um, one episode. I'm gonna do the lottery picks one to fourteen, break that down, some of the prospects, so that way I could do a little bit more research on the prospects, prospects like their weaknesses and strengths, and like put them in order. I'm gonna make a loose leaf. I'm gonna be more organized this year, and then separate episode from the mid first round to the late first round, the picks fifteen to thirty. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna separate the episodes to create more content and more episodes so the more the better right <laughs> but yeah it's been your host dj hamilton hope you guys enjoyed this episode i'll see y'all next time